Dancing in the Rain with Valerie. Today, I have three candidates for the Board of Education in Collingswood. I have personally lived in Collingswood for 13 years. All four of my children attend Collingswood Public Schools. I have two children in the elementary school and two in the high school. First, I would like to thank all three of my guests today for everything they do in the community and for caring enough to even run for the Board of Education. I have Kevin Carey, Kelly Maya, and Megan Mikulski with me today. I would like each of you to introduce yourselves just so everybody listening gets a better idea of who you are, how long you've lived in Collingswood, tell us about your family, your job, your involvement in the community, and anything else that you would like people to know about you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kevin. I've lived in Collingswood my whole life. I'm here with my wife and two daughters, Allison and Ashley. Allison's in fifth grade at Newby and Allie's at pre-K at Sharp. Um, I'm the police chief here in town and I've devoted my life to public service. been with the department since about 2000 and that was in a volunteer role. Got hired full-time in 2005 and have been there since. Um, Really immerse myself in different committees within town, uh, volunteer coaching. I'm on the PTA board at Newby. So really any kind of activity I can get involved in the school that, that has an impact on my children and really anyone in the community is, is what I really like to take part in and really makes me tick, I guess you could say. Uh, hello, my name is Megan Mikulski, and I have lived in Collinswood with my family for 18 years now, almost, oh, actually a little, little over that. Um, I have the, um, the support of my wonderful husband, Brian, and I have three children who go to Collinswood schools. Uh, Kenny's an 11th grader in the high school. Brady is a seventh grader at the middle school, and Autumn is a second grader at Garfield Elementary. Um, so I <clears throat> really would love to run for the Board of Education because I'd love to uh, further support the community that I live in and also uh, the school system that has served my family so well. Um, the, the, the care and compassion and energy that all of the staff and administrators have dedicated to my children over the years um, through, their, through their ups and their downs has been mind-blowing. And um, I, I really would like to give back to them and to advocate for the district as best that I can. Uh, I have been teaching at Cherry Hill East High School for 23 years um, as a social studies teacher and um, I, I feel that that can also be a good perspective to bring to the table just in terms of uh, the challenges that teachers have today, uh, the challenges that students experience in their schools, particularly post-COVID. And, uh, you know, but I also feel like that I can listen to a lot of different perspectives, too, because that's what you have to do in order to have a, a successful classroom and a successful community. Um, I volunteer with Garfield PTA as a board member. I have volunteered over the years in various coaching positions with the summer theater. And uh, yes, so that's me. Awesome. So I am Kelly Maya, and I am running alongside Kevin Carey and Megan Mikulski, and we call ourselves the Better Together team because we really do feel that we are better together. Uh, and we work better together, all of us as a team, and not just the three of us, but the three of us, including everybody else that's going to be on the Board of Education with us. Um, I live in Collingswood. I've been here for my entire life, and I have three children. One is 15, one is 10, and one is seven. I have been volunteering for many, many years. I can remember 
volunteering even as like an eight or a nine-year-old in different things that my mom and my dad used to volunteer for. And I was just part of the crowd. I went along with them and I did the holiday parade and I did all of those kinds of events and the book fest. When that started, I got involved in that. So it's been a really enjoyable experience for me living here. And when I got married and had children on my own, I, I wanted to stay here and I wanted to raise my kids here. So I've watched Collinswood grow and evolve into the place that it is today. And I really love it very much. And I don't ever plan on leaving. So that being said, um, you know, here we are running for the Board of Ed because we've all been volunteering for the PTA for many years. I actually have been running the Newview PTA as president there for five years, going on six years, I believe, on my third term at this point. So we've got a lot of experience volunteering and we do a lot for the community. We're very invested here and we want to take that to the next level and being able to represent all of you in the town as Board of Ed members. Please explain to the listeners what Vision 2026 is, and then I would like to discuss how safety is not on that agenda. So Vision 2026 is the school uh, looking at how they're going to be making changes and improving things over the next few years. Uh, they had a lot of community input and different committees to try to get some valid concerns across the district and what they would like to see done. Um, I was part of that committee as well. Uh, the one thing I will mention that being part of it, I didn't see a whole lot of student representation on the Vision 2026, which was uh, a little peculiar to me because you're talking about changing a culture of a school, goals and priorities of a school, but you're not talking to the students that are there, which is important because right. as adults and as parents, you hear some of the things in the schools, but you don't hear everything and you don't know what the students now really feel is important. So I think uh, hearing from them and hearing what they think is important, what some of the issues they feel exist in the schools would be beneficial for some of that Vision 2026 committee to hear. Um, so again, it, some of the goals they set out might not even be attainable. However, they still push forward without hearing that student voice in making those goals. Um, granted, it's not too late to, to shift that. Pushing out to 2026 is a difficult thing to be able to forecast, but they have done what they what they can do as far as community input, I, I feel, but they're really missing that student voice. Um, that student voice could probably push a lot towards safety concerns as well. I know as a parent, I'm concerned about safety. Uh, my, my profession aside, that's where I have an expertise in safety, but as a parent, I really feel that safety needs to be a priority in our schools. And it, it has nothing to do with me being the police chief. It has to do with me having two daughters that I want to be able to go to school Absolutely. and come home at the end of the day from school without an issue not only learn, not only grow in their minds, not only grow um, physically, but to go to a place where they feel comfortable because I'm not there. I love my children. Right. And, and I think that's something that everybody has to remember <clears throat> is that, you know, your occupation aside, you're a father and you have kids in the Collingswood Public Schools. So. Sure. Like I said, my number one priority is my kids to come right. home at exactly. the end of the school day. I mean, there, there's a lot of other factors there. Like I said, I want them to enjoy the school day. And thus far, they have. They, mm -hmm. they love the Collingswood School District. Absolutely love it. Um, I get to see things through a different lens sometimes. And I do know some of the safety issues that exist in our school. Uh, and, and they're things that I would tackle being on the board or not on the board. Because as the police chief, I have the priority to, to keep everyone in our town safe. And part of that are people in our schools, right? It's our community at large, but our students too. And I think what's important to know is that outside of the schools, those same children still live in our town. Exactly. Those same issues spill over outside of school and then they carry on to after school, they carry into the summer. 
Um, social media is a big issue, and that's where harassment and intimidation and bullying can just go on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, police department's going to be involved. <laughs> it, it, there are certain state laws that there's a point where the police have to be notified. So having that thought in the back of people's mind, they, they should just know that there are state regulations regulating when and when not to call the police department for disciplinary issues within the school. But there is a point where we do need to be called and we do need to step in because there's legal issues there. Um, but all of that aside, there, there are still safety concerns within the school that could be corrected, that I could help with giving some recommendations or something like that. Right now, it's not really in my purview. Mm-hmm. I'm the police chief. Right. I don't have control over the building. I'm not looking to get control over a school building. All I'm looking to do is offer an opinion when policies are being made. Um, I think that's important. I wouldn't step out of bounds and give uh, my thoughts on some high-level education thought because that's not my expertise. That's why you have a diverse board of people with different backgrounds, different experiences, and you can collectively bring a lot to the table. So I feel that my my expertise in that would help with the safety concerns that I have in the school. I just thought it was interesting because myself, as a mother of four, um, and all of my children go to Collingswood Public Schools, and every single parent that I've ever talked to throughout the district at different schools, um, they have all said, and even my own children have safety concerns. So I was really surprised that Vision 2026 did not mention anything about safety. Yeah. And even, I mean, safety wasn't hit on at all, but even crisis communication, communicating with parents, communicating with our community about what's happening was, I think, the the last objective and one of the goals for communication. But crisis communication, especially lately, has come up a, a couple of times where there's been a lack of communication with the school community as to what's happening at school events, which is problematic. Um, right, because, because parents are getting their information on Facebook and sure. not actually from the school district, and that's very concerning. Sure, and I mean, and again, I like every other parent has a concern that I want my parent, I want my kids to get home safe. Yes. <laughs> I want to know what's going on, and I don't need to know a whole detailed report about what's going on. I just need to know there was this threat in reference to the football game. They received the threat. The stands were evacuated. We're working with the police department and your child should be arriving home early and safe. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, I am just baffled by the fact that anybody could say that there are no safety concerns in the school. Um, That just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, Pretty much any parent that I've talked to has safety, safety concerns. And then I actually talked to my teenage daughter earlier And I just said, you know, what's your opinion on safety in the schools? And she said she does not feel safe. Um, You know, the football games, I'm not comfortable with her going to the games, but I'm also not going to teach my children to live in fear. But if I'm being perfectly honest, when she has been at the last two football games, I am worried and constantly texting her. If I hear, uh, you know, a police car go by, I text her and say, is everything okay?" And what she said to me at the last football game was, I feel safe because there are a lot of police officers here. That's what she said to me. But the other thing she said to me earlier was that there are so many fights in schools. And I said, how would you feel if there was a school resource officer in your school? And she, her whole face lit up. She said, that would be awesome. She said, I would feel so much safer. And I know my teachers would feel safer. She said there was an incident recently where teachers had to break up a fight and a teacher had to actually like get on top of a student to break up a fight. 
So she said she would feel safer. She knows for a fact the teachers would feel safer. And I know as a parent, I would feel safer. I have seen numerous videos of students fighting in class. And the one actually showed a teacher in the corner, you know, on the phone. I don't know if she was calling the principal or somebody else in the building, but the teacher looked terrified. Um, if there was a school resource officer there, they could video. respond immediately. I mean, teachers are there to teach. Exactly. Uh, that, that's what their job is. That's what they sign up to do. And that's what right. they're really, really good at. Um, we, we should be creating an environment where that's the only thing they need to focus on. Uh, and it's also curious to me that the school boards took appropriations of money or at least budgeted for a weapons detection system to be placed in the school. But they didn't feel that a school resource officer or any increased police presence at the school would be warranted. But if there's no safety concerns at the school, there's no issues at the school, why do you need a weapons detection system that costs mm -hmm. a lot of money? Right. Uh, there are infrastructure updates that you look at that would help with safety too, but there's also some of my expertise and knowledge that could help with low or no cost changes that could not change the equitable and inclusive policies that are in place but could walk that line to where you're getting more safety for no cost. Uh, I, I've recently sat down with actually board members to discuss this because they had an issue where someone was in our schools, didn't belong in our schools. Um, very hard to tell that because of a face mask that they were wearing with their hood up and you couldn't tell who the individual was. Had they made some minor changes at no cost, that incident wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. So I they would have been that. easily identified as someone who didn't belong there and told to, to leave. Right. So. And the other thing that um, my teenager said to me was, um, and I just thought it was very interesting that she thought of this on her own. She said, not only would I feel you know, safer, and I know my teachers would feel safer, she said, I think it would prevent a lot of things from happening in the first place because there inevitably are going to be students that might think twice before starting a fight because they know that there's a police officer in the school. Yeah, it also builds community too because Definitely. they might bicker at each other in school and get into a fight and then, or even in a verbal argument that turns into a fight after school. But if we're aware of that as law enforcement in the area, we, we can build that relationship and rapport with people. So we can stop something before it gets to be that fight. We can stop something before a student makes a poor decision because we're there as a mentor, we're there as a support system, we're there to work with the staff that is specialized in, in dealing with some of the other issues that might be creating the problem. Um, we also have resources outside the school. So, you have to realize that the problem isn't only in the schools. The problem goes beyond those walls. The problem filters right. into our community. And right. to, to really solve that, the, you need to take part of the community. a holistic right. approach that's going to be a community-wide program to address that issue. Exactly. And, and if, if I can mention as well, I, I think that's an excellent point. And, um, and you're right. Any solution to a school climate problem, which is causing all of these uh, things to happen, it is going to be a collaboration. Um, I have talked to teachers who teach in the secondary buildings, uh, and their concern is, uh, as you say, teachers are there to teach instead of breaking up fights. That is terribly demoralizing as mm -hmm. somebody who's been in that situation, because it's not just a fight. It is then the hordes and hordes of people who are running over, taking video, yelling, screaming. It is incredibly disruptive to the day. And we have to think about the impact that has on other students and their um, educational experience at the school. How can they be learning, even if they're not involved in what's going on? How can they possibly be learning when their their teachers are running out to break up a fight and there's just so much of a distraction? Um, my son is a, is a junior, as I said before, and every day he comes home, oh, there was another fight, or oh, there was almost a today I got, oh, there was almost a fight. 
And again, I know what almost you know, being in a high school, I know what almost a fight looks right. like. It is still an incredible mass of kids running out of classrooms and trying to see what, what might be going on. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is a collaboration. And uh, some of the things that were brought up at the forum last night, I think are excellent ideas. Um, team building exercises, reaching out to different communities, to try to get more of a sense of belonging. Um, discipline. A lot of teachers are concerned that COVID is being used as an excuse to not set reasonable guidelines and restrictions and enforce basic rules around the schools. Um, so that definitely definitely leads to a deterioration in the climate of the schools and leads to some of these problems that does escalate into a fighting type of situation. Um, but I, I think, as, as we said before, listening to the experts, listening to the people in the classrooms, in the hallways, on the ground, listening to the administrators. Uh, you know, we, we definitely sensed a ton of pushback from um, certain individuals at the forum last night uh, saying that policing it belongs nowhere near the schools. But I would say during my meetings with every single building principal in this entire district, they all agreed that another piece to solve this issue would be the presence of a student resource officer in the schools. So if they're all saying it's a good idea, then why aren't we listening to that opinion? Interesting enough with that, too, is like I mentioned last night also, we're already in the fifth grade in the district and we're helping to build positive image through this lead program and to help people going into sixth grade be able to deal with that harassment, intimidation and bullying that they might meet just given that age frame right i mean adolescence that's a tough age tough time to go through um so we're at fifth grade with them but then we miss from middle school until they graduate high school but when they graduate high school when you look at vision 2026 where is a freshman right now going to be in 2026 we're a junior they're going to be out of school and all of those resources that the school's relying on and have are going to be gone they're not going to be available to that student anymore they're going to be an adult in the world the problem is you don't interject a school resource officer in that high school environment to build that rapport, to build that trust, so that when they're out of school, they have someone, they have an ally, they have a friend to go to when they have an issue. We have resources outside of that, but if there's not that connection, then we're doing our students a disservice by not setting them up for success in real life when they graduate. So we do a great job prepping them for college. We do a great job prepping them for uh, if they want to go into a trade school or something, but we're failing them, especially now coming out of code, when you're going to have mental health issues, you're going to have wellness issues that you're going to support until they're 18. And then they're done because they're out of school and you, you didn't establish that groundwork. You didn't establish that rapport and relationship with law enforcement who's going to be called to deal with that. Not a perfect system, but it's the system that we have. Um, police department has specialized training to be able to deal with that. But it goes a long way if someone is in crisis to already have that report with them. Definitely. So it, it people worry about a school to prison pipeline, and I hear that over and over again. And with a with a school resource officer done the wrong way, it likely could lead to that, right? But done the right way with the right intent, which is what I think we're trying to do here in the administrator support here in our schools. It could be something that allows someone to get into a diversionary program or get the help that they need while they're in school and after they graduate school. And, and also quite frankly, um, if the idea is that having police officer in the school <laughs> is so detrimental, so we need to keep that relationship away from the school. Um, if the idea is that uh, without that presence, 
everything will be fine. Well, clearly that's a flawed idea because there are problems in the school. So perhaps we need to reevaluate what some of the many solutions could be to that problem instead of just saying that, you know, policing belongs nowhere near a school district. I, that was actually my question to all of you. I was going to say for those like Kate Seltzer who believe that police have no place in schools or anywhere near schools, what is the reasoning behind that belief? So I want to take a minute to say that every time I sit and I have a conversation with Megan and Kevin, I am unbelievably impressed with their knowledge and their ability to speak so eloquently on any topic. And, you know, the fact that Megan is a teacher in the public school district, not in Collingswood, but in another public school district speaks to her experience every single day about what these kids go through on a daily basis in terms of what their issues are what they love about school, what they don't love about school, what their family issues are. And Megan hears it all on the regular. And Kevin is not only an expert in safety, but he's a community member. He has known a lot of people over the years. He's been here for a very long time and his roots his, his root to her, honestly. And not only that, but he holds such a prominent position in the town where he has access to a lot of information that could be very valuable to assisting the school district in solving some of the major issues that we have, especially Absolutely. his background in public administration and the fact that that's what he went to school for. And it just so turns out that his career job ended up, his career path took him on a different, on a different train and he ended up being the chief of police. But, you know, all the things that Kevin handles, and I know I've said this before on Facebook numerous times, but Kevin has the weight of the world on his shoulders. All the kids in the school system he worries about not just his own kids, but everybody's kids. And I think that the fact that he handles that with such grace is unbelievable to me. Um, you know, so that that's that's something that I take from from listening to both of them. And what really scared me, honestly, in the conversation that we had last night when, you know, Kate immediately stopped and said, I'm sorry, this is not personal, but the chief of police has no business being in the school district, even after she was informed by the moderator that there has been a precedent set for this specific thing for having a chief on the board, for having a police officer on the board, she was still highly against it and had a different take on it altogether. And that is, a, to me, a very dangerous place to be because when you're not willing to even have that conversation and open up the lines of communication, you take a huge risk of missing such a key component of what can help our school system stay sure. safe. Um, and I'll say that obviously it was noted that there could be a potential conflict there. Um, and, and I think that's a thought shared by probably a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the thought is that I already have a seat at the table and right. that's where I have my, my ability to, to share my voice, right? But unfortunately, I think that our school district has an issue with building partnerships too. Um, I'm on the, the opposite end of that partnership currently, not the reason I'm running for the board, is because I don't have a seat at the table. But the reason I'm looking to run is because I think they need better partnerships and right. collaboration across every discipline. And so, honestly, all the people that we've talked to when we've been hosting our events have said the same thing, that this is something that they notice about the board as well and something that they sure. want to see improved. And, and it speaks to communication. Communication and partnership and transparency are all intertwined. Um, right. And they all feed off of one another. And, and strong partnerships and relying on, if you don't have a board of 12 people that's going to cover every experience and every background that you want, then you need to reach out and rely on those experts that we have here in our town. So we have a very diverse town and a lot of people we can rely on to get information to help us. Right. Um, again, I, I think the the understanding is I have a seat at the table and I have a lot to say about school security. That is absolutely the understanding and the perceived. And, and the school does have a school security officer that has a state training, but they have mm -hmm. 40 hours training 
Um, I'm not sure what the training is, but there's no continued training. Right. They also have school climate officers in, mm -hmm. in the schools that are retired police officers mm -hmm. um, who have no specialized training since the time they've left. Um, mm -hmm. It's just important for, uh, again, various experiences to be given a chance to speak to the board. Um, I agree. And one of the things that I said last night is that what I think distinguished us from Kate essentially was that we were open to those conversations. We sure. are not here to say that we have all the mm -hmm. answers. We are here to say that we want to open up the conversation. And the ultimate goal is to make sure that our kids and our staff stay safe and they feel safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Because even at the high school level, as Val talked about with her own daughter and knowing her own teachers and the situations that they come across, I also have talked to elementary school teachers they're the people who tell me all the time when these threats come up that they're scared to death and that no matter what, at the end of the day, not, not to scare anybody, but they would take a bullet for our children and they shouldn't have to feel that way. Our kids are scared. They're scared. It's terrifying. And, you know, all we want to do is bring the conversation to the table. And it feels so dangerous to sit there and say, no, you don't belong here. You have a piece in this, but it's not here. Sure. I mean, I almost feel dirty discussing school safety. I almost right. feel that I shouldn't have that voice and right. that I'm not given that opportunity and that I'm wrong for, for wanting to have that voice. Right. Um, and yeah. and, oh, and I, I would argue that um, you shouldn't feel that way necessarily because, you <laughs> no. know, we, we have definitely had our time. I mean, sure, there are people in the town who feel passionately about the position uh, concerns about school to to prison pipeline and concerns about a conflict of interest. And, you know, they're voters and they certainly have the right to those concerns. Right. On the other hand, uh, we've been in the community. We have we have access through our PTA membership and leadership. We have access to a lot of parents and we've had a lot of really interesting discussions with parents that we didn't know until we started this campaign. And let me tell you, when we start having discussions about some of these issues and um, you know, in some cases, these parents don't realize what's going on. They don't realize that there has been a loaded weapon found in the school. They don't realize um, the story, maybe they didn't hear about the person who was in the school for the entire day just to see if they would get noticed and they weren't. Um, so once they hear these stories, they're very concerned and they do think that this issue needs to be revisited. So, so I wouldn't assume, Kevin, that that uh, everybody agrees because I think we just need more information out there and then voters can can and parents can make their own decisions. Well, I also want to point out in terms of safety and this this will be the last couple of things that I can that I really want to say on the topic, but two points of to make here, two points to make here is that one, you know, a lot of people have kids at the elementary school level and they're not aware of the changes that take place when the kids get into middle school and high school. You know, for the parents that are in the secondary level, the parents that I've talked to that when my kid was there and we were going through some of these issues, they, they this was a hot topic of conversation for them is something that they feel very, very strongly about because the issues entirely change once you get into the secondary level mm -hmm. of school. Um, and the second piece of this is one one thing I, I took from last night that I just kept, I woke up thinking about this and I kept thinking about it all day long was something that Megan said last night in terms of her experience in the Cherry Hill, Cherry Hill School System where they actually have a school resource officer. And she said that a small percentage of that person's job is policing, but they're also especially trained to mentor and to build relationships and all of those kinds of things that are so critical to a child's development at that particular age. But the main takeaway that I took from that is she said, 
if something were to ever happen, and this is a big if, and I understand that, I'm not trying to put fear in people's minds, but if something were to ever happen, the response time was 15 seconds. I wanna make sure I say that again very, very slowly. If something were to ever happen and there was someone in the building that was trained to handle that situation, the response time is 15 seconds. That to me was mind blowing. And, and I was getting cut off at that point, understandably, because my time was running out <laughs> during that particular question. Um, but but what, what he did say to me, because I, I did seek out my resource officer, because, again, they've always been in, in the building the entire, you know, over two decades that, that I've been in buildings. It's never been uh, an issue. So I sought him out and I explained some of the reservations um, from the Collinswood community about about having a position like his. And he, he did reiterate that so little of what he does is policing and the, the relationship building and, and the fact that that he is a mentor. Kids can come to him with questions and concerns that they feel they're afraid to go to their parents about. But he did say, what he said was in Cherry Hill, and I realize Collinswood's different, but still, um, you know, Collinswood is a smaller area. But what he said was in Cherry Hill, the response time for a, a police response would be three to seven minutes. And according to his experiences, most of the fatalities occur within the first two minutes. And what he said specifically, and again, I stopped at 15 because I was <laughs> my time was out last night. But what, what he said was 15 to 45 seconds would be his response time, depending wanna, on where he would be in the building. I do want to touch on one more thing, though, because when we were talking to Kate, you know, she she brought up a very valid point about changing the culture in the school system. And mm -hmm. but it seemed to be that, you know, changing the culture in the system was more or less to replace the idea of making it more safe. And and those two go hand in hand, right? So it's not one or the other. We do need to focus on changing the culture. We do need to focus on, you know, building, team building and all the things that we talked about last night. And we do need to focus on equity and we do need to focus on inclusion. Those are all very important things. But we have to understand at the end of the day that our student population and our staff population and the community at large is still vulnerable a lot of times during the course of that day, right? So changing the culture does not stop anyone from coming in from the outside. So for example, when that person got into the high school and was unknown there for several hours, that was an that was a situation where a change in the culture wouldn't have mattered. That was a vulnerability situation, right? And so that doesn't change the vulnerability of the kids that are outside on the playground or somebody coming into the school system. And you know, just recently, Valerie had an experience that she was telling me about where she actually, you know, was at her school. No one was in the office, and she needed to drop off lunch, and she. Another parent just happened to be coming out of the school. And when they did, she walked right into the school and she went to her kid's class and she knocked on the door and she said, oh, here's here's your lunch bag. And then she went into her other kid's class, opened the door and said, here's your lunch bag. Oh, hi, how are you? I'm here to deliver lunch. Okay, fine, no problem. She walked out and she went home and she thought, oh my gosh, that could have been very scary if that person wasn't me, right? I didn't so know he, the parent. And in the moment, I'm like, they well, that's cool. Her. I dropped off the lunches. And then I went home and I'm like, that's actually really scary that I was just in there and nobody saw me. Um, the, the two things that, that I picked up that you guys mentioned are culture and mentorship. So uh, growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I mean, obviously, like every little kid, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And that, that didn't really work out. Definitely um, where my son <laughs> But then I looked, do I want to be a teacher? Um, because because I love to, to teach. I love to impart knowledge on people. Um, do I want to be in computers? Because at the time I thought I knew a little bit about computers. Um, or did I want to be a cop? And ultimately that decision was made because of my SRO in school, in mm -hmm. Collingswood schools. Um, 
someone that served as a mentor to me and uh, someone I looked up to, uh, someone I valued their opinion, someone who I really made a connection with. And they, they drove me to my life of public service. Um, it, I, it was actually a little interesting because when I got hired, I ended up actually working alongside my SRO, oh, wow. <laughs> which is a pretty cool <laughs> opportunity. Uh, but I still talk to him regularly. Um, he, he is just, he was a huge part of me deciding what I wanted to do. Um, the other, the other piece you touch on is culture. Um, and, and culture is, is a funny thing, but really you're not going to change the culture of the school if you don't address culture as a whole. Um, so you look at the relationship nationwide, because if we want to talk about national issues with policing and the relationship between police and black and brown, especially males, how do you change that culture? So do you change that culture by separating the two? Or does Collingswood want to be that progressive town mm -hmm. that wants to change that culture by interjecting an officer into that situation to break down that barrier, to make that relationship exist, and to really be a shining example of how you can change the culture, the national culture here in Collingswood. So it might not apply to Collingswood, but that national narrative is there. And if we hear it, and don't do anything besides drive a wedge further to divide that. That's what, is that doing? what are we doing as a town? I feel like by avoiding it and saying that, you know, the chief of police and school resource officers have no place anywhere near the sure. schools, that's what we're teaching our children. Right. And it's just causing a bigger divide. Sure. Why are we doing that? So let, let's change culture then, right? If, if, that's, if that's the idea and that's the agenda, then let's really do it. Let's, again, let's be that progressive town that we are, that we've always been. And let's stand up and do something to change that national narrative and to change that culture or perceived culture. Make Collingswood the culture other people should be looking at. Yes. That's what we've done for years and tried to do for years. And you know what? We can do that because we're better together. Sure. <laughs> well, and also, uh, and this would also not be, you know, say say Kevin gets onto the board. It's not like he's, he's now lord and master. Okay, right. the chief mm -hmm. is here. Right. So I'm putting this guy into the high school. It would obviously be a very long process of getting community voices, getting administrator teacher, student voices, um, you know, having a lot of people on any kind of a hiring process to make sure that the right individual would be put into that situation to build those types of relationships. Um, so that that's also what needs what, what everyone needs to keep in mind. No one person on that board should have control over what happens over the entire board and the right. entire town. Everybody has their own individual voice to bring. Well, there's 12 members. I'm really there glad you, <laughs> you had a chance to reiterate that, Meg. That's important. Just to touch on something that we talked about um, already is that, you know, we're talking about having the chief of police as one of the board members and incorporating school resource officers in our school. And Kelly mentioned, you know, school shootings uh, can definitely happen. It's not out of the realm of reality. It happens, unfortunately, all the time. But school shootings aside, that's the most extreme scenario. But also fights and bullying are a, a daily reality, reality in our school. So the response time, even for those things that are happening daily, are very important. So if there's a fight breaking out in the school and a school resource officer can run upstairs and 
you know, take care of that in 15 seconds, as opposed to calling the police officers who, you know, have a lot of other, you know, issues to deal with in the community. It might take five to seven minutes to deal with. And as we mentioned earlier, then the teachers are having to, you know, hide in a corner and call somebody else to deal with it or actually deal with it themselves, which is not just not fair to anybody. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was that it's happened so many times where I get a text or an email or one of my kids tells me that there is a shelter in place or a lockdown. Uh, my son was riding his bike to school the other day and he called me, which he never does. So I knew something was going on. And he said, um, I'm at school and the school's on lockdown. So should I come home or should I wait? And every time I hear that the school has a shelter in place or the school's on lockdown, I am terrified. I would feel so much safer if I knew that Kevin was number one, you know, part of the board of education. But number two, if there was a school resource officer, I would have peace of mind that there's somebody there that can deal with whatever the situation may be. So I just, you know, and I know I'm not the only parent that has those concerns. When you get that text message or when you get that email, it's terrifying as a parent because your kids are there. Well, Val, I want to say that this is a sentiment that, you know, is something we hear on the regular, you know, throughout the town when we're out talking to people. Yeah, and, and whatever direction that should go, I mean, what's important is the partnership because preparedness right. Right. And, and awareness of what's going on is, is what's going to get you well prepared for whatever is going to happen. So that, that didn't happen, that partnership. So that leads into my question, which I think I touched on it earlier, but I still don't have a clear understanding. So for those who are against police having more involvement or really any involvement in our schools, what are what is their plan? I'm just, I don't understand what their plan is you know, for bullying, for fights, for God forbid, a school shooting, like they don't want the police involved. So what is their plan for safety? Well, I, I believe that the idea is, um, and I'm sure in, in a comfortable place of concern, and I appreciate that there is uh, a lot of data uh, about um, not really uh, not great historical trends that have happened in the country, especially in the 1990s, where you really saw an uptick in mass incarceration. Uh, the United States has one of the largest mass incarceration rates in the world, and the majority of those people in prisons are uh, people who are black and brown people, and and that, that's very important to to note. So I think. I think the concern definitely comes from a, a, a place of, of true concern for those populations and those young populations in our schools. Um, and a lot of ideas, I think, are coming around from, and, and as was mentioned last night, uh, a lot of um, team building and community building exercises, teaching about things like anti-racism and, uh, you know, uh, understanding a lot of uh, realities of the experiences of a variety of, of a variety of different uh, racial groups within our school. I mean, all of those things are extremely important, but I think that's the point that we're making. Uh, the, the collaboration needs to also have that that other public safety piece. Right. And that's, you know, what we talked about in the very beginning that the on the agenda for Vision 2026, all of those things are important, but safety wasn't mentioned anywhere. And it all right. has to come together. So Megan, you speak so eloquently about all those issues. And you know, this ultimately we have spent a lot of time tonight talking about a school resource officer. But where we started the conversation was talking about Vision 2026 and how safety itself is not on any of the priority lists that the school district is talking about when planning for the future. And ultimately that's what we're having a conversation about, right? Safety. And it doesn't have to be about one specific thing, but overall. 
and a lot of things that we can do to improve that. So moving along, we spent a lot of time talking about safety, but it is very important. Um, in my opinion, as a parent, it's number one, uh, safety of our kids. And I just want to open up the conversation to all three of you. Uh, this is your time to speak to everybody listening about, you know, what else you would like to see change and, you know, why you are volunteering and putting so much time and energy into, you know, trying to get a seat in this position, because obviously you care a lot about the community. You, all three of you have spent countless hours and years volunteering in the community to make it a better place for our children. So anything that's very important to you, anything that you didn't have the opportunity to elaborate on last night, really anything you would like to bring up. So one of the things that I want to say is when I talk to people on, you know, I talk to them about running for the Board of Ed, they look at me and they say, you know, why? You have a lot going on already. And why would Kevin want this? He has a lot going on already. And why would Megan want this? She has a lot going on already. But the truth of the matter is, as busy as we are, you know, busy people get the job done. And we volunteer that is at our heart, that is in our heart, that is in our soul, that is our, that is what we live and breathe every single day. We don't know any different and we want to continue to do what we know how to do best. And that is to make this town better. I, I agree. And I'm, I'm, I do love this community so much. And, uh, you know, to be, it is intimidating. I have to, I have to say, I have sat at many board meetings over the years, um, mostly in, in the district at which I work. And um, I, I, I don't envy the, the people sitting at that table because it, it's definitely um, a situation where you are putting in a lot of work and you have to take so many uh, positions into account. But I have to say, as, as, as definitely a new experience and quite frankly, I'll admit it, as, very in, as intimidating as this month has been, you know, the first campaign, never did it before. And uh, it definitely <laughs> has been a, a learning experience to say the very least. Uh, I've had some fascinating conversations. Yes, I feel like I've yes. learned so much just sitting down and talking to so many different people, parents I've never talked to before, administrators, teachers. I, I've already, I, I have had a lot of those conversations in the past, but opening up the past to new conversations and people have been so generous with their time and they really do want to talk about their various perspectives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little intimidated about things that I don't know as much about, like budgeting. Uh, that, that is definitely not my strong suit, but... Uh, I don't, I, I don't know everything, uh, but what I can do is definitely bring my perspective to the table and listen to the people with the expertise when it comes to trying to develop things that are going to benefit everybody in the community. I, I, I have some experience. Um, I, I was the, the, the leader of our building liaison committee for several years where um, we, we would bring concerns of the faculty to the table, not necessarily contractual concerns, but just concerns about policies that were being set in the building. And I would sit down with administrators and we would figure out solutions to these problems. And what that experience helped me to realize is that I can't just be coming from the teacher perspective, that when an administrator makes a policy, for example, there's a reason behind it because they have so many different considerations that have to be um, yeah kept in mind as well. And that taught me that. So I think I can bring that to the table and you, as well. you bring up a good point that no one's all knowing, right? The, the point of being on the board and having that background and that expertise is so that everyone can sit, collaborate, and, and talk in an open forum and make a collective decision that, that's best for everyone moving forward. Um, 
So communication is, is vital. And part of that, and what I've learned in, in my life has been a vital part of communication that's often missed is the act of listening piece, right? 100%. So <laughs> you mentioned in the campaign talking to people and you don't know what people are thinking. You don't know what people are about until you give them the opportunity to sit down and hear what people are thinking and hear what they're about and what great ideas they have yeah. and what challenges they perceive. Yeah. Um, I mean, and challenges, every school district is going to face challenges. That's just a matter of the world we're in. Uh, budgeting, that's going to be a huge issue. I mean, we're talking about referendums. We're talking about a lot of infrastructure updates that are needed in our mm -hmm. school system. And I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Um, I, I do bring some budgeting expertise with me and a, and a background in public administration. So I, I have some familiarity there. But again, I'm not all knowing, right? I can just be another voice or another perspective to bring to that realm to come up with creative ways to try to solve that problem or help with that challenge, right? right? I mean, challenges are tough. That's why they're challenging, right? And, and, and that's something I love. I love to take on a challenge. Um, it's from another aspect of my life is I, for a short time, I took over Public Works. So Public Works was in a position where they were in a bind. And I stepped up because I like problem solving. I like to do things that benefit the community. So. I took the time away from my family to help with public works. Uh, now, during that, the whole trash thing happened, and that was ah, that was a challenge I did not foresee. Right? <laughs> but what I learned in that challenge was it was very humbling, right? Because yeah. you think you're, you, wow, oh, this is great, everything's going well, and then something changes like that, and you have to rely on other people at that point. And that that's a humbling thing. But I'm a humble person, so reaching out for for help is easy to do, but but knowing when to do that is important. What has been humbling for me in this process also in terms of meeting people is that people are so used to everyone talking at them and telling them what they need and telling them what their agenda is. And a lot of the people that we've had a chance to meet have come to us and said, well, what do you want to do on the board? Well, tell me what your goals are and this, that, and everything. And we sit and turn around and say, we want to actually know what's important right. to you. Mm -hmm. And people have stopped dead in their tracks and looked at us like dumbfounded, <laughs> like, you want to hear my perspective, right. you want to hear from me. And ultimately that's the message that we tried to get across last night of, yes, we do want to hear from you. We don't have all the answers, but as a community and as a board, we can all again work together because I want to keep bringing in this point, right? Community connection and partnership, community connection right? And partnership, right? <laughs> we can work together to solve these problems. We don't have all the answers. We want to hear from you. So yeah. I think that's important to point out as well that, you know, we really, um, are about the active listening approach and about the communication. We want to make sure that we build on those things. And we want to make sure that as a board, we're softening the tone and we want people to want to come to board meetings and want to talk to us because we're just everyday people that want to make their lives better. Absolutely. And, and we talk about safety in the beginning of this, and that is not because that's our number one priority, but yeah. a lot of the questions that are out there are surrounding that. And, and so we are actively listening and we are trying to be responsive to the questions that people have. Exactly. That's exactly. just going to, to highlight what we're going to do as board members too, because again, you're only as good as the community you serve. They elected you to be their voice and you have to listen to them to be their exactly. voice. Exactly. How can people contact you with any questions? What's the best way to reach out? So, so we, we have a variety of ways to contact us. So we do have a Facebook page uh, that we do try to post on regularly. So people can always respond to the Facebook page. Uh, we also have a, what, a website. What is this? Like, and I have sure. to look this up every time because, you know, it's just like I have to look up my demo every time someone asks for it. It is um, Better Together Calls for Collingswood Board of Ed. 
Say it one more time. Better, Better Together, together. Calls mm -hmm. for Collingswood Board of Ed. Okay. And our email address as well. Our email address is callstogether at gmail.com. Yes. So if anybody has questions, you can reach out on Facebook or email the questions. We also have a website. And again, under the heading of... <laughs> And I'll also better, list yes, we all also of these. Have, yes, we also have better, bettertogethercalls.org would be our website. So if you have, just want to read any more information about um, how we feel on the issues, you can certainly So don't hesitate to reach out to Kevin, Megan, or Kelly. You can hear how open and willing they are to you know, answer questions and even just sit here and record a podcast. They're all very busy people with families and jobs, and they just wanted to reach out to the community in a way where it's very easy to share a link um, and to have their voices heard. And I think actually the most important part of this podcast is just them giving you a way to contact them and ask them questions. Oh, also uh, Facebook Messenger. A lot of people have reached out to us on Messenger, and that mm -hmm. has been that's, that's been helpful as well. Yeah, they're extremely willing um, and eager to answer your questions. They are really here to help. And I personally want to thank Kevin, Kelly, and Megan for everything they've done for our children and our community and for what they will continue to do for us in the future. I think we can all agree that we are better together. Well, we thank you so much for this opportunity. This is my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so nice to sit and actually have a conversation uh, with Valerie because we sit and have these kind of conversations all the time amongst the three of us. But we really want to get the word out. And we've been kind of, you know, wondering how do we do that? How do we reach that many people? How do we make that? How do we have these conversations yeah. with, hard, yeah. with the, you know, with the greater public and the greater community at large? And last night we had a small opportunity, but I have to admit we were a little taken off guard by that because we, we were not presented with the questions ahead of time. We did not know you know, um, exactly what was going to be asked of us or how much time we were going to have. We had a little bit of notice there. And, and don't get me wrong, Sharp did a great job in planning all that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we're very appreciative of their space and their PTA. I mean, we know what it takes to run those kind of events. Oh, right? We do it all the time. Definitely, yes. Um, and I definitely, too. they were. Oh, yes, they even, were. Though, even though, oh my goodness, didn't make them, they were very uh, good. <laughs> no, no, they In were. any event, you know, they did a great job. And, you know, we know what it's like to plan those events. And, and I, you know, I looked at Lindsay a couple of times and she was just as nervous as we were that everything was going to go as planned yes. and as well. And no, I could see did, that written they, all over they, her did, face. they did a wonderful job. So, yeah. so this is, this is another opportunity to get our messaging out. We really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, thank you so we're looking much. At, in any way we can to connect with people. So uh, as you've said, please reach out to us. Uh, if you see us, come up to us and ask us questions. I mean, we're all very approachable people. And, I and think that's the most important part sure. of this podcast is just for everybody to hear how approachable you are and yeah. how eager you are to help. Yeah, and listen, the conversation might think is difficult. It's not going to be difficult. The, the most difficult part is coming up to someone and asking the question. And then after that, it's The most it's difficult really part is just opening <laughs> that line of communication. That's it. Right. right. It's all about communication. Yep. Yeah. Opening that line of communication. And, you know, I just also want to touch on the fact that we are, you know, residents in this town. We do a lot of things here. We are always involved in a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. Um, you will catch us at soccer games, you'll catch us at field hockey games, you'll catch us at the high school events, you'll catch us in every way imaginable. 
um, you know, if we check for a minute in Masterminds, <laughs> <laughs> what can I plug for our next movie event? Basket Raffles is important. That is our fall festival. That is a PTA run event. Yes, Every it year, is. The PTAs collaborate and we get together and we're all out there selling stuff. Um, it is really a break even event for the PTA. You mm -hmm. can't call it a fundraiser. It's just something that we do for the community. Yeah. It's a whole PTA yeah. day. It's the Hornet Hay Riders at night as well. And that's oh, yeah. Nice yeah. So, yeah, I know. The, 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 high, the, the, the high school PTA is really excited about the Hornet Hay Rides. PTA day. 70 degrees and sunny. Hopefully after a Philly's one. wondering how much we communicate with how much we communicate as a PTA. This is one of the events that we do. One of the days that we take in October where we all collaborate and, you know, do different things and, you know, support the town as a whole. Um, something I wanted to touch on while we're still having these conversations is, you know, being on the PTA has allowed us to really build those relationships with our teachers, you know, with the staff, with the students, we all have kids in the district and we all have kids and all of our kids have friends and they have friends and the parents and whatnot. So, you know, through our connections in town, we've been able to do that. And I just want to highlight how amazing our staff is on the regular. You know, and I also want to highlight the importance that things that we feel that are also of utmost importance aside from the safety issue are the arts. We feel very strongly about how, you know, we need to focus on building those, you know, programs and making sure that we offer as much as we possibly can to the students that we have in mm -hmm. terms of the arts. Well, absolutely. Uh, it, it provides such a great opportunity for a variety of students, maybe students who haven't quite found their niche yet. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they can get up in front of uh, an entire audience and uh, at the elementary level that might be getting up on the stage uh, every year there is a little little kid who gets up in front of the <laughs> entire auditorium and sings into a microphone and my jaw is just on the ground sure the yes, fact that they yeah. that they gave it that that shot and all the other students are there screaming their heads <laughs> off and cheering them on I mean what a great boost so I think it's a great opportunity for students who you know hey they might not be really great at the football and the soccer and things like that. But this is something they can do to really get out in front of people. I did that when I was a kid. And I really think that has a lot to do with the fact that I can get up and yabber at a room full of people <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and to my students every day. Um, so I, I think that's, that's great that we continue. To yeah, I, I want that. to touch on that a little bit. It is a privilege for me to be able to know the names of every single music educator in the district mm -hmm. and the arts educators in the district. I know those people from the elementary level to the high school level. I know who runs the band. I know who runs the choir. I know who runs the orchestra. I know the different programs that they have. I know which teachers work at which schools. Mm -hmm. All of that has been from my PTA experience. So I want to touch on the fact that as PTA members, we have been able to grow all of those relationships, which is why we keep coming back to how important it is to reach out to the experts because we know that they are experts in that field. Sure. Right. This is what they do every single day. And these are the things that they tell us are important to them. So we want to make sure that we touch on that piece of it. Yeah, our staff is, is wonderful. And part of the things we, I think we're looking to do on the board, too, is be an advocate for them because mm -hmm. the education profession is going through a little bit of a hard time now, retaining right. teachers and, and finding teachers. Um, not only have we found teachers here in Collingswood, but they are absolutely amazing. Yes. Um, and, and through the involvement of the PTA, we've been able to see that, which right. is really nice to see. Megan is, is that rock star every day in the classroom, but <laughs> right. we see the amazing asset we have. And you really need to, to advocate for them and make them feel like they are valued because we want to retain them. 
Um, having those awesome teachers are going to go create awesome experiences for our kids. And, right. and that's what we all want. <laughs> and and that, 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 those are some really interesting conversations that I've had on a lot of different um, ends of the spectrum. I have talked to a lot of teachers and I've asked them how they're hanging in and uh, what some of their concerns are. And I've already shared what some of those concerns were. But over and over again, what I get from them is that they love this district and they love this community. And, you know, let's be frank, right now it is a teacher's market. You know, the, the, uh, Kelly, our, our realtor over here, you are well versed in a buyer's market, a seller's market. Well, right now, let me tell you, back in 2000, you were lucky, especially if you were a social studies teacher, we're a dime a dozen, right? <laughs> so I was lucky to get a job and I treated it like that. Nowadays, there are uh, districts that are desperate. And I've spoken to principals in this district who said a couple years ago, I had 75 applicants. Now I have four. Or I tried to hold interviews for French teachers over the summer and could not find one. I mean, that's the reality. And, you know, Collinswood is great and we love our town. But the truth is Collinswood is not the highest paying district right. in the area. Mm -hmm. And if teachers are seeing an opportunity because they're, they're, they do feel demoralized and they don't feel valued and they have an opportunity to go to a different district that is willing to bring them on, uh, we might be having a brain drain around here and we right. certainly don't want that because that's not good for our students. That is not good for, as, as was brought up last night, our special education students mm -hmm. and special needs students. It's really going to hurt everybody. Um, and, and I think that's another example of how do you deliver on equity, making sure that we have qualified staffing is an extremely important part of that. Right. And we, you touched on the special education piece, which is absolutely huge in this district, right? We've had a lot of conversations come up about that particular program. You know, we've had a lot of individual conversations with people who have children that have special needs and how important it is and the changes that they want to make. And, you know, it is it is definitely hard to address all of these concerns, but we are willing, we are ready, and we are able to do that, you know. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we need to recognize that, you know, the staff morale is such a big piece of all of this. Yeah. We can't do any of this without, you know, our staff feeling good Absolutely. about things, right? Absolutely. And when mm -hmm. staff are not happy, that trickles all the way down to the families and the kids in the school. And then when the kids are happy, they come home, the families are happy. It's a domino effect. effect. We need to rise and, up instead of, you know, domino. And a, and a, down. a challenge that we're willing, ready, and able. But I, I think we're all excited to, to be part of that solution, too. Absolutely. That's why we're that here. Yeah, that's why we're so, here. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And to end, that's pretty much what I was going to say is that you guys are all busy people. You're very busy people. You have careers, you have families, but you're so passionate about improving the schools for our children that you're volunteering for seats on the Collingswood Board of Education. You each have different connections within the community and you each have so much to offer. So again, please reach out to them with any questions. I will list the Facebook, um, the email and the website in the um, you know, explanation under the podcast. So you don't have to worry about that. That will all be listed. And so reach out with any questions and make sure you vote. Thank you so much, Thank Valerie. You. Thanks, Val. Thank you.